Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome back to the AJ Roberts Show. Today, we have Louise Crefield from Save Our Rights UK. Uh, Louise has been out and about on the uh, the streets over the last couple of years. Um, has been quite a pinnacle figure in getting a lot of people together, um, all with the same sort of ethos, mindset, concerns uh, about what's been happening within the United Kingdom but and, and abroad over the last couple of years during like pandemics and mandates that were trying to be brought in um, and I wanted to get Louise on the show today because she, um, whilst she's been doing all this fantastic work in the background raising this awareness and organizing um, protests around uh, the UK um, she's had to go through her own troubles being pulled through the courts on behalf of obviously we the people um, so I want to get Louise on today to share that insight with us a bit about what she's about and and just so she can share her story and what it's been like over the last couple of years so uh, welcome to the show Louise. Thank you for having me. Um, so obviously, like we, we met some time ago, and it was obviously through the same thing, the protests. Uh, you know, I wanted to basically do my thing as an individual, but as a, as part of a collective to show my you know disgust and what we were seeing in the country in terms of you know the the, the persecution of people, the, the mandates being brought in, the obviously the pharmaceutical interventions, etc., uh, and then now affecting our kids even you know which is even worse uh, I mean yourself as a mother as well um mm. organizing what you've done through Save Our Rights UK I mean must have taken some you know kind of like strength and planning but it is would, would you say like being a mother has sort of elevated that sort of um motivation and inspiration mm -hmm. to, to have done what you've done yeah absolutely so um I've got four children and uh my eldest is 16 and I have very much been very focused on them and have I essentially kind of kept them out of the system. You know, um, my children have never gone to a state school, you know, they've never eaten fast food, um, we don't own a TV, and I was able to protect my children. I just kind of thought, right, well, my, my job is as a mother to keep my little bubble safe and I'll just do what I can. And then obviously when we hit COVID restrictions, it became apparent that I wasn't gonna be able to just keep them out of the system because this system was affecting them. You know, they closed the schools and there was always the threat of mandates in terms of vaccinations and other, other things that were gonna have an impact on them. And I wasn't willing to let those things come in and negatively impact my children. And so, yeah, that's why, you know, I started Save Our Rights UK on the 16th of April, which was the day they extended lockdown. So in 2020 that is so it was really early on I actually went looking for another organization um and there wasn't one at that point so we organized the first protest on the 20th of April where, where there was just six of us <laughs> I didn't even have a megaphone and yeah so we went from six people um on the streets of Brighton and then it kind of grew and grew from there but I knew we had to get started then to have the momentum that we did for because as we saw when the NHS mandates came in obviously we had thousands upon thousands of people and we had loads of support and the NHS workers felt they had somewhere to go and they had backing and stuff but it had to start small and early um to get there uh, yeah. in time yeah and well, I mean all you did you create you created the seed to a you know bigger more powerful being which and presence which was in essence like you know what I think was it summer summer last year a million and a half people yeah, June 2021 was our biggest one. Um, yeah. yeah, phenomenal amounts. Um, you can see the helicopter footage and you can't see 
the end either way that yeah. you just can't see even from the helicopter mm. it was yeah phenomenal phenomenal amounts of yeah people. And, and i guess in terms of like the messaging that's to portray in itself uh obviously if it wasn't wasn't on the media or the ones that did post anything instead it was a couple of hundred people um mm. but the message was clearly the same as what I, one of the things i've been saying all along in terms of asking questions why would there be one and a half million people on the streets going through london mm -hmm. you know like trying to basically show everybody what these elites etc uh don't like calling them that but you know trying to do to us like why would that many people show up and can you imagine the people that couldn't even get there that day so for every person that was there you know most people i spoke to was like they know five ten fifteen people that wanted to be there and couldn't yeah getting out on the street is really important in that regard because there's one thing posting on Facebook, lobbying your MP online, all of which are really important to do, to raise awareness and to take action. And you shouldn't not do those because the more actions you take, the better. But when people are willing to travel and get out on the streets and give up their whole Saturday, it shows one, how important it is to them. They're not, it's not just something they'll do um, on their coffee break. It's something that actually really matters to them. And like you say, for every one person that's there, you can count an extra 10 that for some reason couldn't be there. Um, and one of the, because I, I worked in politics beforehand, so I've seen political campaigns, I've seen lobbying, I've seen all of this. And one thing they've never done, um, any other organization, they haven't gone out consistently, um, month after month after month, and they haven't grown consistently, which is what we did. We were out every single month and it just grew and grew and grew. You know, we had phenomenal amounts in May, but then June, was just even bigger and that's that's when you know that the public tide is turning and that's you know we haven't been in lockdown since yeah and in this country especially you know having interviewed people all over the world and you know to show what's going on in canada new zealand australia for example the one thing that's been very noticeable from our islands has been just a sheer kickback from a very large portion of the population to the point where they've basically backpedaled on the majority of things haven't they like especially in the last mm -hmm. year yeah absolutely we never had widespread vaccine mandates you know mm. they, they only tried to bring it in for care home workers and nhs workers and that didn't even work um and that should have been they should have been the easy ones mm. um you know so they haven't been able to bring it out further you know when they brought in the mask mandates for example there were people myself included that never wore them from day one and that's that's that was a really key pivotal thing, you know, like we won't accept this small ma mandate from day one. And whereas what I saw in Canada and speaking to people in Spain, even people that organise protests in Spain would wear masks on the buses. And I'm like, well, you know, and then they end up with these stricter regulations and you wonder why. It's like, mm. no, you had to you had to resist all of them, even if it seemed insignificant. Mm. Um, not that I could have, I don't think I could have even worn a mask even if I'd wanted to. Um, the notion of not being able to breathe properly just. Um, but I think I think what you're talking about there as well is just what's been happening all along. And this is where the introduction of, you know, on a large scale of behavioural science techniques that was brought in very early on. And it's every single little step has literally been the test of compliance, hasn't it? Whether it, the, yeah. the six foot apart stuff is like, how many people will adhere to that? Clap for the NHS, how many people would do it? Because... The, the neighbours are looking at them if they don't come out. Oh, see, Sue didn't come out and clap the NHS, you know, last night. You know, they know all this stuff happens and 
every little one of these little intro, uh, introductions has been a test of compliance, isn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And um, I interviewed uh, Desmond Swain MP, mm. and even he said that he believed the mask mandates were a sinister exercise in compliance. Mm. That, that's what he said. Um, exactly that, because there was never any science to to um, evidence it. You know, there was never any science to back it, and that was quite clear from very early on. Mm. But you know, it was a compliance exercise, and we didn't we didn't comply here in the UK. And in the Save Our Rights Facebook group, we on day one, um, me and myself and another, we posted a, a selfie of ourselves in a shop without masks on, you know, and we said, right, everyone post, post your selfies, like show, show that it's possible. And we had people who, it took them like three months of seeing those selfies on a daily basis to dare to take it off because there was, they instilled that fear, you'll get fined and you'll get this mm. and it'll be illegal and you've got to do this. So there were people that were who didn't believe in them, but were too scared. But because others led the way and joined us in those no my selfies, we empowered the ones that felt anxious because we showed that nothing bad actually happened. And you know, and I remember somebody posting about three months into the mass Monday, going, "I did it! I did it for the first time today because of all of you." I went into a shop without my mask on, and it was awesome. Mm. Um, you know, we were the community empowered each other and it's it's really helped us along the way yeah and i I think um like even going back to the 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 marches and stuff like that like people become more empowered from things like marches and and getting Mm -hmm. involved with communities and standing in the parks and you know stuff like that and i talk about our our local one quite a lot you know i've never experienced anything like it in terms of the community that we Mm -hmm. have down here um, in the south and uh, and these you know these people pretty much spend every day with each other now in some form mm-hmm. whether it's a tea party or you know obviously yeah. or, or on a Sunday it's just it's been phenomenal to see and I think that's what's coming out of it but like just those little things you mentioned there all it's doing is empowering people mm-hmm. to look at the either lack of data or what the data is not showing um, mm-hmm. and that's what's then leading people to go realize well do you know what yeah maybe I am sort of consoling inside myself because I'm worried about what someone else is going to think if I don't wear a mask and all this kind of stuff you know and you know it's, it's been clear and obvious from day one like I said it's you know a compliance test um yeah what, what's been the um biggest uh, noticeable positive thing that's come out of um obviously all the all the protests and everything that you guys have been involved in I would agree it's, it's those empowerments and those other organizations because um having spoken to like the leader of NHS 100k it's because she came to I think the May event and went Mm. oh my goodness if I stand up and speak out I won't be alone um and just having that community and but there are some people that come up you know and go this has kept me sane Mm. it's kept me sane and you know and if all if all I've done over the last two and a half years was helped one person stay sane it would have all been worth it Mm. um but lots of people have found sanity, you know, not being alone with these ideas and not feeling like, because obviously lots of people have suffered loss in terms of family and friends and to no, to then not be suffering alone and to have each other is just, mm. is just amazing. So, but also it's empowered other groups to start up, you know, like Rebels and Roundabouts and Down yeah. in the Park and NHS 100K, you know, those people came to the events first, mm. um, the big ones in London and, 
I always thought there needed to be more localized actions, but uh, you know, I am one person. I couldn't do everything. So it's, you know, and um, it's they worked really hard in creating those localized groups as well, and that needed to happen as much as the big events in London needed to happen. Yeah, and it all they all tie in together, and they and it's creating empowered individuals, and that's what we want. Mm. Um, is empowered individuals. Do you think this has been like a really good, um, like by design default, like of all the negativity that's come out of, you know, COVID, like the disease and or whether it's, you know, it's real and all the arguments and the division that's been called, you know, we've had Black, Black Lives Matter chucked in there as well to divide people even further, as well as all the, you know, the other, all the rest of the propaganda. But do you think that like it's been something that's by default has been really hugely positive and was almost by design to see how much this collectiveness of humans can come together like in all these different countries around the world yeah well that's that's always something that i've tried to do is you know because there's so much fear and angst you mm. know out in the world you know the whole covid narrative was was based upon fear um and the antidote to fear is love and that is why all of the save our rights events have been about showing that actually you don't need to fear anything and that you can love each other and you can be together and you can have a joyous, wonderful time and it's safe to do so. It wasn't about going to everyone else, you're wrong. And that has never been mm. the motivation of Save Our Rights. It's about showing that there's an alternative, positive place to go um, because the only thing that is the antidote to fear is love. Yeah. There isn't, there isn't, it, you can't, you can't fight fear with more fear and angst. That mm. doesn't work. That's never actually going to counter it. I mean, you'll get people that will join and they'll, they'll, but they'll also be all angry and fearful of, um, so we have to, we have to counter it with a, a love and positive attitude. And, you know, and that's what all those events, you know, those events that we held in London, you know, you could feel the energy. It was just such a wonderful, joyous energy. And, we had so many people joining from all different walks of life. You know, I was looking back through some of the pictures and we had nuns and we had barristers in their wigs and we had everybody. And and that was the other great thing is it, it crossed all of those divides. You know, we've got right to left, to centrics, to every religion, young, old, um, every class, every, every everything. Yeah. And that's the amazing thing. And they, yeah. that's one of the things they don't like. They can't box us in anywhere. They can't yeah. go this group are all this because we're not all anything yeah yeah and and, and and that's because there was literally every single walk of life you can imagine mm -hmm. no division um and the, the very thing that everyone was there united against was like freedoms being stripped away from every human and every walk of life mm -hmm. um and again you can't box the people in so the only way they do it is by labeling like the whole protest about being anti-vaxxers and stuff like that as it's put yeah. by putting a label on people um i'm like you know she's telling me that that seven-year-old that's you know wanting to be there as an anti-vaxxer it's just like come on um and we have vaxxed people there oh we yeah, have many, vaccinated, yeah so loads. many vaccinated people come yeah of course exactly um, same in canada you know it's like the thing with the truckers and stuff like massive proportion of these the truckers had to get vaccinated to be able to um, go in and out of between America and Canada as well but it was, it's never yeah. been about that um, no. and again but obviously we know what, obviously what the media is like and what they portray um, yeah. and, and in regards to obviously all the work you've done obviously it led you having to go to court 
mm-hmm. recently like is it you know if you wouldn't mind obviously for the benefit of the viewers and listeners like just explaining a bit about how that all came about yeah so and we were in attendance in August so August 2020 was the first kind of big one that we had in Trafalgar Square so there was all these little ones happening like I was running them down in Brighton and then there was a group um, Sound Effects was doing some in um, London as was Pierce Corbin but we decided to um, but then they decided to bring some speakers and do a like a speaking event in Trafalgar Square um, and Save Our Rights obviously promoted it and were in attendance and spoke in August 2020 and then we were always planning a big one for September 2020 because that was when the COVID regulations were first up for review and uh, the Saturday the 26th was in th- that following week was when they were going to be reviewed so I was like that's always a really good important date for us to be out so but then the other groups united so we're out in August, September, October, November 2020 and uh, August peers got arrested on the day September uh, was the day when they came in and battened us all. So Heiko Shoning was speaking and they just came in and started battening everybody. And it was just outrageous. Um, and it was, it, that one was really brutal. Then October seemed to go fine, like seemed to go fine. We just, we did a march that day. We decided that standing and speaking was too difficult and obviously it made us kind of sitting ducks. So we went on the march all fine seemingly on the day and then November 2020 um, was during lockdown take two and they decided that actually protesting was illegal that was actually wrong Uh, protesting wasn't illegal there was still an exemption for protesting but I emailed Gold Command in the morning because they've been putting out social media posts saying nope you can't go you can't do it I emailed Gold Command in the morning and went look here's the legislation that says that we can go ahead please will you just facilitate this? Because by that point already, you know, they'd been arresting people by 9.30 in the morning. They were chasing coaches down the motorways, arresting everyone on motorways, turning them around. And he went, nope, you're wrong. And I was like, well, I'm not wrong. That's literally what it says. And um, so, and he was just like, no, anybody who comes is subject to arrest. And that's what they did. And they, myself included I got arrested that day 155 people in London got arrested but obviously a whole coach full of people also got arrested um but they arrested me for criminal damage on the day and then let me go and I never got charged for criminal damage because I hadn't done any criminal damage (laughs) and then and then in February we got a letter saying that we were being charged with all four um so obviously I'd only been arrested in November and then they decided that they were going to charge us for all four and that took um quite a while to come round and come through so we've only just had that court case but then further than that there were in the same year November 2020 and December 2020 I had two protests down in Brighton in November I wasn't at um I was up in Edinburgh speaking at an event there and I got a phone call from the police liaison officer that I'd worked with um through lockdown tape one where they'd you know he'd been supportive of the protest I'd never been charged for any protests during lockdown tape one and he called me and he said you're going to get charged for that protest and I was like well one I wasn't there and two why all of a sudden are you charging me? you've never charged me for anything and he said the orders come from higher up than Sussex so the Met Police had basically called Sussex Police and said charge her for it I wasn't even there 
And then in December, they actually sent the Met Police down to police that event. Um, and they were very much trying to arrest me. So I actually had to basically duck out before the protest ended. And then they staked out my house for four hours and harassed my teenager when she got home. Um, so I got charges for those two um, and just had the trial for that as well. And then, um, and then obviously in 2021, we, from November, November being so awful and police so badly, uh, we didn't go out again for a while. And then we started back up in March, 2021. And then um, May was huge, obviously. And I said, we were gonna go out again in June, even though it was gonna still be locked down. And they turned up at my house two days before and tried to arrest me out of my house. But because it's a summary only offense, they couldn't enter my house to arrest me. So they invited me to step out of my house so they could arrest me. And I was like, I think I'm okay. I think I'll just stay in my house. And I had to get a friend to go pick my children up from school because I didn't know they were just gonna be hidden around the corner because they came back twice. So the Met Police traveled all the way down. And that was two days before that really big June one, the one with like over a million people. And they just didn't want it to happen. So I then got charged for May and June and that trial was in February. Um, so yeah, it's been a long ongoing process of different charges, different pleas, different courts and so on and so forth. Um, and so the first trial that finally got to court was the May and June 1, 2021. Obviously that was a shorter, it was a one day trial where I was found guilty because at that point, obviously having tried engaging with the police in 2020 and it not going well and still getting charged and everything else like that, I'd given up. And I may or may not have done a live where I basically said, um, sod the police, um, we're never talking to them and <laughs> I don't care what they say. And they didn't like it. Um, <laughs> and obviously there were huge events as well. So the judges deemed those very serious crimes and find me 10,000 pounds for each one, May and June, 2021. So, and then there was court fees on top of that. So it ended up totaling at 20,690 pounds was my fine. Um, and to which they said, well, do you have anything to say? And I said, well, how exactly do you expect me to pay that? Because, you know, bearing in mind, I'm a single mum, I've got four children and you know, I don't have £20,000 just sitting around. And um, she said, well, you'll have to make an offer to pay. And I said, well, there's a cost of living crisis. I don't have any money. You can have £5 a week. And she went, right. And I was like, that's all you're getting. And they had to accept it, even though on that basis, it takes 79 and a half years, mm. which is but, just the biggest load of nonsense. The, the, the advisor document would have come out before that. <laughs> exactly i'd have to live to be 115 mm. um so they had to accept it um but i was self i was self-representing in that case and um so that the fine amount is being appealed on the 24th of june i haven't paid any of it i'm not planning on paying mm. any of it and we're going to appeal the amount we're not appealing the charges because i did I'm, i did do that live and it didn't really help my defense mm. um <laughs> and then and then in April, I had the court case for the Brighton events. And this was quite interesting. So I got there and they're like, so how are you pleading? And I was like, I'm pleading not guilty still. And they went, oh yeah, we don't have any case against you. 
So they didn't actually have any evidence that proved anything that I'd done anything wrong because mm. one, I wasn't there in November and two, I'd done what I was meant to do in December. So the case got, that one got thrown out in five minutes. Um, well, that's been but, the case. That's been the case for so many people around the country as well, hasn't it? It's just, um, they, they end up going to court or whatever. And like either the, 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 other, the other person's not even there or it's just yeah. gets thrown out straight away. Yeah, exactly. And had I, like, had I employed a lawyer for it, I would have still had to pay all my legal fees because they would have done all the prep work. Because the majority of um, legal fees is actually the prep work. Mm. So that could have still cost me thousands of pounds if I decided to pay a lawyer. I, I self-represented that one as well. So, you know, in terms of t- costing my time, energy um, and resource, that's, that's what I feel like this, this is a whole exercise in doing is using up my time, energy and resource. And had I paid for a lawyer, I would have been thousands of pounds out for nothing because there wasn't even a case to answer. And they could have told me that the week before, but they didn't. They just sent extra evidence the week before. But then we've just had the big trial. So this is so there's me, Piers and Vincent um, being tried. And we've got 36 charges between us. And this is for um, August, September, October, November 2020. And this was a two week trial. So long and arduous all the way up in London, which meant that, you know, I had to get babysitters in the morning for the children because I was having to leave mm. the house at seven o'clock to get them to school and then babysitters after school um, and then travel all the way up. And we were we were court ordered to be there. They would have put arrest an arrest out for our warrant if we weren't there on any given day. And but this one actually transpires to be quite interesting um, because by the time this trial came around, there had been a court hearing about the Sarah Everard vigil. Um, so do you remember how there was, when Sarah Everard vigil happened, they wanted to go on Clapham Common, it was policed really badly and so on and so forth. Mm. Um, and some organisers had stepped back from organising because they were told they'd get a £10,000 fine and they took that to be judicially reviewed. And in that, they said, that what needed to have been done was something called um, the Z- um, Ziegler test, which is to actually measure the, re- the actual harm. Now, so what that meant for our case, because it, um, you know, following judicial precedent, is there had to be proof that we actually caused harm and there was actually risk of COVID. There is no evidence of that mm. because there is no evidence of outdoor transmission. And the prosecution presented no evidence to say that there was actually any risk from anything that we did at any point. So (laughs) luck on the judge's face, he was furious. The prosecution was kicking himself because all he had to do was find some virologists to come in and go, yes, that was very bad, which Mm. he could have found somebody that would have done that, but he didn't. Um, And therefore, in theory, we should all be acquitted because there's no evidence that we cause any risk. You know, we've got no victims. Mm of covid there, there was no harm caused mm. by any of our actions and, and outdoor transmissions totally not doesn't exist nor is a obviously someone being asymptomatic you know what I mean? yeah. it's just like yeah there is no, there is no evidence to even support that you know even if we questioned the science on the other stuff they haven't even got their own science to say that outdoor transmission was a thing mm. so you know, by being outside, that's technically all we had to do to, and therefore there was no risk. Therefore, you can't say it's right to infringe upon our human rights um, to, for, for no risk, mm. you know, because you've got to balance up. 
And this is where, you know, our human rights act is so important, which is why it's really problematic that they're trying to get rid of it, because it is our defence in this. Mm. It's like our human rights are really important. And if there is no evidence of any risk, you can't infringe upon our human rights and criminalise us for exercising our Article 10 and 11 rights. It's just not a thing. And there there is no evidence. So it's it's actually a really interesting case now, because if we if we win, then basically it would mean that any other protesting case should get thrown out Mm. because there still isn't any evidence of outdoor transmission. So until there is. Well, there isn't any evidence of any transmission. Well, yeah, exactly. I mean, they, they'd argue that they've got some, whether we deny it or not. But mm. you know, but they re- they don't even have their own evidence of outdoor transmission. Yeah, um, exactly. with, and so, the fact, yeah, and there was no actual law broken. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and th- that's the other thing. At this point, we actually tried following the legislation, and we had followed it as well. Mm. They haven't even got evidence that we didn't follow it, um, because as I said, so. At that point, you had to have a risk assessment and you had to take all reasonable measures to follow it. That's what the legislation said. Have a risk assessment. You didn't have to submit it. You didn't have to do anything with it. You just had to have one. And you had to take all reasonable measures. And at that point, like I say, we actually tried liaising with the police because we felt on balance. I personally, not whether I would have chosen to if it was left up to me. Well, clearly not because I didn't in May and June. Um, (laughs) But the others felt like it was worth doing um on the balance of having the events so even by their legislation and there are their sole argument is that the attendees didn't follow it and again when i was being questioned i was like well there was no clause in the legislation that said if the attendees do not follow the risk assessment the organizers become criminally liable and without that clause i failed to see why we were on trial because we followed the legislation like the, the legislation said do x do y we did x and y just because you pesky lot didn't listen to us isn't our problem mm. just like and that wasn't in the that was never in the legislation so mm. it, it the whole the whole thing is nonsense yeah uh, but not only is it taking up two weeks of my time you know whatever whatever the outcome basically either will appeal it or the prosecution will appeal it. So if we mm. get acquitted, prosecution will appeal it. If we get convicted, we'll have to appeal it. So we'll have to do the whole thing again. Mm. So well, you said it. You said it in a nutshell, and I'm sure everyone sat there going, "Distraction, distraction, distraction," and that's all it is, isn't it? It's just creating distractions for individuals, you know, roughing people up or whatever it may be, to try and disrupt, you know, what they're doing and uncovering, like, you know, your truths and why you did what you did. Um, mm-hmm. Wasn't for you. It was. For for we the people you know mm-hmm. to raise awareness against the very people that are supposed to be serving us um we the people yeah well exactly it's it's funny we were named in a military document once for save our rights and other groups were named as well and every other group um had like labels next to them they had misinformation and disinformation save our rights had a label of malinformation um i didn't know what that was so i looked it up and it was information that is true used maliciously against the government and <laughs> so basically using their own true evidence and a, using it yeah. maliciously against them and i was quite proud of that label actually i was like that's that's the label i want mm. so they can't even find anything that they class as untrue 
and mm. they're just frustrated because I'm using it and, and saying that that means the government isn't any good. Mm. Um, well, on the flip exactly- side, the government like of, uh, are the ones pushing misinformation in a malicious way. I know, right? Um, yeah. Exactly. I don't know why they didn't get their labels. But it, I was one of the things I was most frustrated about is, you know, we've obviously got um, 10 really problematic bills going through Parliament and you know, what, what I specialise in is political education, political lobbying campaigns, and obviously we've got the next June event coming up on June the 25th. And this all takes time and energy and effort and work. And I couldn't do anything for those two weeks. And then it was half term with my kids. And so, like, I feel like I'm super behind. I want to be getting on. I, mm. Like, I want to be, you know, we've we've got the, the bills that are coming up now are actually way worse than COVID measures because... Mm. COVID measures always had a shelf life. There was always, they always had an expiry date. They, they could never last forever. Um, and what we're seeing coming through parliament now are permanent. These are permanent changes. They are far worse than any COVID regs. And I'm stuck can, in court for two weeks, not being able to do anything. <laughs> can you uh, give us a couple of examples of uh, the bills that you mentioned? Yeah, so we've got, well, the biggest one and the most important one is where they're trying to remove the whole of the Human Rights Act and replace it with the Bill of Rights. And this will basically it will get rid of the whole Human Rights Act and it will put something in place that says, you know, that all individual rights can be trampled over um, for the greater good. That's it literally says that. So, you know, that's that's what we've seen over COVID measures. Mm. Um, it will remove a lot of powers from the courts to, so there'll be less mechanisms to protect ourselves in case of human rights abuses. It will start judging people and go, are you good enough to have your human rights upheld? So if you've got past transgressions, then probably not. Um, and what those transgressions could be, anybody's guess. Um, and uh, yeah, but the, the greater good aspect is hugely problematic and also the lack of mechanisms to challenge any human rights issues. Mm. Um, and then you've got, um, the online harms bill, um, which will affect our free speech online. And then you've also got the media bill, which will um, have a negative impact on all independent journalists, basically penalising them if they ever have to go to court. Um, and so it'll make it really problematic for independent journalists to speak truthfully for fear of being penalised. Um, and then you've got the schools bill, which is going to have a hugely negative impact on um, home education but also children in education as well and then you've got the higher education bill which will again it'll penalize teenagers if they feel if they fail their GCSEs the first time round, then they will never get a student grant to university um, even if you then pass with like a stars um, mm. or nines as they call them now so basically making university elitist um, and then well that's you, how that's how these uh, organizations and hand pick who they want yeah so they're going to make the university a very elite sport basically mm-hmm. and then you've got um brexit freedoms bill which basically wants to be able to get rid of all so where we've left um the eu all laws that came from the eu originally now have to be ratified into british legislation um formally and basically they want to just give a small team the ability to pick and choose which ones it wants without having to take it through a democratic process. Now, this is really problematic because EU law involves um, some of the laws that we got from the EU are things like maternity leave and paternity leave. 
I don't want to lose those. Some of them are really good. And like one of the ones they want to get rid of is around genetic modification. So there's also a genetic modification bill where they want to be able to genetically modify um, animals and plants to an extreme level, sell them back to us without labeling them at all. So you won't know if your chicken is a genetically modified Frankenstein type chicken mm. or a regular chicken, they're mm. going to remove the requirement for it to be labeled. So, you know, whereas that you couldn't do while we were in the EU because mm. EU had said no to that. So we're going to lose. So there's a lot of, yeah. We're just looking at that list there. Um, what do you think the uh, overall grand plan is to like bring these bills into place and the effect is actually going to have on humans because it's just like there's nothing positive about it <laughs> there is nothing positive about it and they dress it up with kind of various positive um spin um you know like the online harms but and what they'll tend to do is they'll tend to put something good in each bill so that you kind of go so you kind of almost go well i don't want to get rid of the whole bill so like in the online harms bill it will protect children from porn more which is a good thing you know children shouldn't be exposed mm. to porn good thing but so they spin it up and they sneak these little bits of legislation in. Um, but, you know, I know a lot of people are worried about digital ID, for example. Now, they can bring in as much digital ID as they want, but they can't mandate it currently um, because the human rights protects us. We lose the Human Rights Bill uh, Act, then they could... Man so people who are worried about digital IDs need to be really concerned about the Human Rights Act going because that is currently the barrier between them. They can make as much digital ideas as they want, but they can't mandate it until the Human Rights Act is gone. So if you don't want that, you need to really be conscious of what's happening to the Human Rights Act. And basically, under, if the Human Rights Act goes and they can do anything for the greater good, they could argue for anything. You know, you can make an argument for the greater good over everything. Get rid of all fast food, get rid of all alcohol, get rid of your cars, because, you know, climate change um you know oh nobody can go on holiday anymore because it's for the greater good um so all of these things could come in under the human rights act and then these other things oh and there's a public order bill which will enable them to put sanctions on organizations and individuals to not be able to organize or attend protests to the point where they could ankle tag them so expect to see me in a nice ankle tag by next year if that one goes through. Because obviously I'll have previous convictions for protesting charges. Mm. So that's that's the other big one. So they want to stop us speaking out online. They want to stop um, independent journalists. They want to stop us going out on the streets. They want to stop people being able to home educate so everyone has to be in state schools. Um, and they're going to move, remove the Human Rights Act. When you put them all together, it's a pretty scary proposition. Um, and they're doing all of this while we're in the midst of a cost of living crisis, which is a great time for them to do it because, you know, if you're talking about the abstract notion of the Human Rights Act or you're trying to put food on your table for your children, what, what's going to draw your attention more? Where are you going to be more focused and more concerned about? An abstract notion of the Human Rights Act mm. or feeding your children during a cost of living crisis? Mm. It's the perfect time. It, it's like almost by design mm, exactly that and you know it all comes down to social control at the end of the day so you know if you, you go for each of those bills and it's just all they all can the dots all connect to complete social control uh whether that's through digital id um you know getting everyone onto electric cars was like 
can't start your car today because uh, you wrote something bad on social media. Um, and it's yeah. like, that's literally like the way they want to go because the people running this show right at the top of these pyramids, you know, they, 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 they bought the concepts from the Chinese Communist Party, you know, mm -hmm. in, in our very countries. And again, mm -hmm. it's not something they're going to talk about or, or show you on BBC. Um, and this is how they've like broken down that this whole web of uh, of control, and you know by trying to bring these bill bills in, we'll do exactly that. Yeah, and that's why they're all out in separate bills. There's a little bit here, and there's a little bit here, and and but in the bills, there's other good stuff as well. So it's you have to really look at all the bits of legislation and connect all those dots together. We're actually going to be launching a campaign um, probably next week called Operation Overreach, which will be going anything that constitutes overreach by the government into our personal and private and family life and overarching into our human rights will be come under that umbrella so we'll be having like a catch-all one campaign because otherwise trying to run 10 campaigns at once is is too much so mm. you know we're going to just go is this overreach yes then we reject it is going to be the stance um so do look out for that that'll be you know on the save our rights page and um website and everything else like that because we have this is this is more important you know mm. and i know lots of people are tired they've done campaigning for the last two years mm. and you know we've got to a great position and we've done so well and actually we've shown what we're actually capable of because we never had those mandates yeah. we were never mandated to vaccinate our children you know um people have barely even taken that up you know for the children which is amazing because of all the education campaigns that people have done outreach um we've really shown what we're capable of but we need to keep going it's not time to rest mm. now is the time actually to ramp it up um and yeah. hopefully we'll be able to get support from other people that you know otherwise might not have joined us because they very much felt like what the government did in terms of covid was right um they ought to and can still have very high concerns about the Human Rights Act, for example. Mm. So we've yeah, got, I, I, got the absolutely. scope to reach a wider group of people. And I, I think in the grand scheme of things, though, you know, we've, we've witnessed what's that, you know, from day one, what's gone on in the last two and a half, two and a half years. Um, but the reality is, like now, you know, you just need to have in the forefront of your mind that the whole COVID narrative was just the biggest transfer of wealth in human history. Um, create you know more millionaires and billionaires are being created every single day still now as a result of all this like that is set in stone but it's like the stuff that's going you know happening in the future and those chess pieces are all starting to manipulate certain areas like that's what should be on everyone's you know radars now it doesn't matter where you sit with uh, your medical status or you've done this you've done that you know this is like a collective humanity um, type effort moving forward um, mm -hmm. and, and obviously raising levels of awareness um, I mean, I, I can only imagine in your, say, say last six months, you must have seen, you know, with everything you're doing, the sheer level of awareness is now raised in so many more people and more people waking up. Like, I mean, it's definitely something I've noticed. And um, I'm, uh, people are probably going to be quite envious of this, but like I'm probably into triple figures now of people that have actually DM me to apologise for giving me shit for the last two years. Mm -hmm. um including people in my own family and now want to ex explore more and learn more and, and like asking more questions and you know just that well yeah they're waking up in general right i guess has that yeah. been sort of a similar situation for yourself yeah well we're there's new people coming in all the time um and i think we could really capture a whole swathe of new people if we mm. 
if we let go of the COVID narrative, a lot of people still want to talk about it and they still want to talk about the vaccines for children and they still want to talk about the vaccine um, damage. And I get that and I understand that. And, you know, those are important topics, but they do, they are off-putting for some people that would otherwise come and join us on things like Human Rights Bill and the Online mm. Harms Bill and Free Speak and the Schools Bill. So, um, you know, it's it's a balance. It's a balance to be found. And, mm. you know, at Save Our Rights, we're just going to focus on what's coming up because actually, you know, right now, um, if we, if we, if those all, if all those bills come through, we're, in a pretty terrible position so yeah. we've got to work really hard on that yeah and, um, and, and your name says it all you know save our yeah. rights and that's what it's all about at the end of the day yeah uh, where can uh, people find more about uh, what save our rights do I know, I know you're pretty vocal on social media and stuff like that as and when you can um yeah. but uh, where's the best place for people to get in touch and find out more so obviously we've got all the social media channels we're on instagram telegram facebook and twitter but it's that thing of algorithms often work against you on those places so if you go to the saveourrights.uk website um, and sign up to the mailing list everything goes out on the mailing list as well mm. um, and if you do like if you follow on Facebook if you click make it your favourites then it will show in your newsfeed but otherwise algorithms are just they're yeah. just uh, emissions get past so the mailing list is a surefire way to make sure it's in your inbox mm. you'll know about upcoming campaigns upcoming events um interviews that i've done so on and so forth and any any actions that you can take will all go to your inbox if you join the mailing list there um so yeah that's on saveourrights.uk amazing now um, yeah. yeah well louise thank you so much for coming on today i know you've uh, got a crazy <laughs> schedule and it's, uh, it's great to uh, you know, hear your story after seeing with my own eyes, you know, the sheer amount of work that's gone in from Save Our Rights UK and on, on the protests and and just the general daily awareness that you're trying to raise about all these horrific potential hurdles that we may face uh, that everyone does need to be aware of. Um, so thank you from, from me and I know everyone that follows the show, you know, for like everything you've done to you know, create these circles and events and stuff like that to, to help people raise that awareness and that, that outreach and you know it's been great to sit my own eyes and I've, I've met some of the most amazing humans ever in my mm. life uh, some of these um some of these marches and stuff and you know who i'll be friends with for life um so you know thank you from me as well for everything you do it's uh, it's truly humbling thank you thanks so much but guys and girls if you like today's show please share it with at least one person that's all i ask um, it's really important that we get this information out there to the wider communities. And it's not just the UK, it's, you know, all over the world. Uh, we've got a fantastic audience here, you know, from everywhere from New Zealand to the United States uh, and everywhere in between. Um, so thank you for tuning in. Please do share this and I'll see you very, very soon on the AJ Roberts Show. <laughs>